Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by Com Together, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of BizBytes. Now, I have a guest with me that I've got to know over the past year. Uh, He's participated in a number of my forums and we've had a lot of really interesting chats. In fact, we were having such a great conversation, we almost almost forgot to hit the record button for this episode of the podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce David and allow him to formally introduce himself to the audience. Thanks, Anthony. It's great to be here and I really appreciate it. I'm David Dean Spread. I'm based in Perth. I'm a, a CEO and executive coach, which I've been doing for the last 25 years. Um, and my businesses, you probably haven't heard of me because my business is by referral only. Um, and that's how I prefer to do it. And it probably also means that I avoid marketing. <laughs> but um, but it's still, it's, it works for me and I, I, am, I am fully booked anyway. So it's all good. So my, and my background before uh, this wonderful career was military law enforcement and another discrete agency where I was really responsible for developing and managing um, covert operators in fairly difficult situations as far um, as far east as Panama, as far north as Kathmandu, and as far west as Northern Ireland, and far south as Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, but these days, um, looking for something that was um, more com- um, con- uh, suitable for uh, raising a family, I got out of all of that. And um, and for the last 25 years, I've been enjoying this, which I discover really is my calling. So there absolutely. I am. <laughs> absolutely. And I know it's your calling from, from all the interesting conversations that we've had. And we're going to try and encapsulate some of that. Um, one one point I will make is, by the way, that even though you've got a fantastic business, and I know you do, that's based on on referrals by virtue of the fact that you've got referrals means that you are marketing. It's it's one of the misnomers that that many people have is that marketing has to be something that's paid for and looks like an ad or looks like things that are that are more physical. But in fact, how we how we deliver our messages on a day-to-day basis with our clients, our suppliers, our networks in general, uh, is marketing. And if you've got a business like David's that's built on referrals, it's because you are marketing really well. You just may not know it uh, or re- put the put the uh, head around it to know that that's what you are doing. Um, but, David, I did want to touch on um, particularly initially your, your background because it's a fascinating background to get to where you are. So take me back to the sort of the early stages. Was the military career the first thing that you wanted to go into? Yes, uh, yes, it is. Actually, it's a family thing. Um, I am the last of um, my family generation, which for over 200 years, the eldest son always went into the military and and, uh, I was the last um, of that. I did not encourage my sons um, to do the same um, and they have chosen not to. Um, The, uh, yeah, but... But I look, I won a Duntrian scholarship and then um, elected to go to Portsea instead, which meant that I could um, concentrate on the military side rather than the academic side. Yep. And um, I ended up in the military police 
my last posting in the in the army was the 2RC of the military police school, the Royal Australian Military Police School. And from there, I was headhunted into the Federal Narcotics Bureau, which is now part of the AFP. And um, at the same time, I was um, uh, I had elected to go. I was offered an opportunity with another agency that only operates offshore, and I, it's a discrete agency, and we we won't go any further than that with that one. But my my specialty, both in the um, military and in um, the Narcotics Bureau was really covert operations. And um, I spent um, a lot of that time both operationally leading covert teams, but also developing them, training them, getting them to the to the right standard and putting them to, you know, issues around surveillance and all of that sort of stuff. The um, the, the big part that came out of that, those that we, every time something went wrong, and they did often because it's a high risk and complex um, activity. The uh, we had to do an investigation to determine what went wrong and how can we prevent it from happening in the future. And the result for all of the opera, all of the investigations was that it was the operator's attitude in the moment that mm -hmm. actually was the cause, the root cause of the issue, like pilot error, you know, the human yeah. thing. And if it wasn't the pilot's error, it would have been an error by somebody in maintenance or even the aircraft design. Again, a human error. Yep. Um, that that hadn't been detected. And so the um, I was required then to develop a training program for what is now known as attitudinal competence. And if you Google attitudinal competence now, you'll discover that I'm it. <laughs> and so. <laughs> And so I wrote. I wrote the workbook. I mean, I wrote a manual for it for the uh, for the government, and uh, that's now been adopted and adapted and developed by special forces and other other um, organisations that subscribe to that kind of thinking. And I've adapted it for the uh, business market in a workbook called "Master the Power of Your Attitudes," and it is really the foundation of how we want to move forward, no matter what we are doing in our life or work and that is to have the the ability to adapt and adopt your very best attitude for what has happened what is happening and what might happen and not actually deploy habitual attitudes mm. which perhaps don't work or aren't suitable anymore and i find i find that well that that's an interesting point because i wanted to come back to you and where you sort of started this and saying that um it, it was going into the military was something that had crossed a number of generations. So how how much was that forced upon you and how hard indeed was that for you to then turn around and, and break that for your for your children? Um it wasn't wasn't too hard to be truthful because my um my behavioral traits are that I like change anyway. And I have to be careful that I don't just change for the sake of change. <laughs> You know, that there yep. needs to be a good reason for it. And whereas I don't need a good reason to change. <laughs> but uh, I've got to recognise that, that that's the case. Most people do need a good reason for changing. Um, so that wasn't too hard for me. I, I guess it was harder more on my parents. When I um, when I surrendered my commission in the in the military and took on basically what was um 
a non-commissioned officer's role in law enforcement, mainly because, it, look, you know, I, I was the youngest ever graduate of the Victorian Police Detective Training School. Um, I don't think they've had anyone yet both ducks it and graduate graduate from it at the age of 23 I think I was 22 or 23 wow and uh, most of my most of my um cohort were in their in their um, mid to late 30s and so um that, that was back then though but um so my parents were disappointed that I surrendered my commission and um and I didn't really see, I don't see, I don't put a lot of value on on rank. I put a lot of value on on the people in the rank. Mm. And, and are they, do they deserve the rank? Are they behaving in accordance with the rank demands of them? And are they, are they really caring for their people? Are they caring, are they good leaders? Um, and that's my passion is about leadership. I mean, I was trained to be a good leader. I've had lots of really good examples and mentors and I've made my fair share of mistakes as well. But I've also had um, the experience of, of bad leaders. Yep. And uh, and, I, knowing, and I know what I don't want to be like. And, um, and I do know what I do want to be like. And that's what I've strived to do for my entire career. And... Um, it's been one. Of, it's been very rewarding. It's been very much. It's a learning journey. I mean, I'm still learning, even even though I've been doing. I've been officially, I suppose, a leader for over fifty years, and um, I'm still learning. And yes, I might be a slow learner, <laughs> but heck, there's a lot to learn. <laughs> In fact, I think you know, unless you've led every single person on the planet, you've still got something to learn because everyone's different. <laughs> Absolutely, I think that learning is is a constant thing, and we never you never get to the end of it. Um, I love uh, kind of the the work that you've done around around attitude and around the differentiation and that human element to it. And uh, and, and I guess, as I said, it, it probably even though you may not have found it difficult because that's who you are. Um, it, it I I can imagine that idea of you know, your father did it, your grandfather did it, you, you know, his father did it, et cetera, et cetera. And to get to that point where you're going, well, okay, that, that's what I've got to do. And then to then, as you say, pull the pin, but not only pull the pin and say actively discourage your um, your sons from from doing the same. Uh, it, it's So I didn't, uh, I, yeah, I, I probably didn't um, message that correctly. I didn't actively discourage them. I just didn't encourage them. Yep. I when they asked me what should I do, um, and there's really I have two sons or I had two sons. My eldest son passed away. He never could have been in the military because of his illness. He had a congenital issue and he was meant to die by the time he was 21, but he he passed when he was 29. So it wasn't it wasn't my my eldest son. It was my younger son, mm. James, who um, who did actually. Actually, did have a go at being in the army, and um, but he had broken his back in a motorbike accident, and he wasn't, he wasn't. Um, they didn't accept him medically. Yeah. The uh, but he's, I mean, he's all right. He's, he's he's not he's not injured now. But but I didn't encourage them. Put it that way. And so it, it is an interesting idea, said, isn't it? 
that 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 encourage that that encourage versus discourage because there there certainly was a time in you know in our um, I guess our parents' generation and before that where there was this active encouragement to go down yeah. particular career paths. Yeah, and look, you know, I learned actually to be fair to my to my parents, um, my it was my mother primarily who 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 um, encouraged me to go for the Duntroon Scholarship and then, you know, Army, Army, Army. She was an Army, um, you know, Army file, I guess they call it. <laughs> but she, uh, but Dad, Dad said, "Son, you do whatever you want to do. Just be the best at it." That was that was his his encouragement, and Mum was the the one that mainly did it. I, I one of the one of my English teacher at school wanted me to be a journalist, and yep. uh, and I and I did have that. I mean, because I do like writing, but um, but I also you know preferred soldiering, so I did that. <laughs> yeah, and and looking and uh, but it's interesting as well that those those kinds of ideas have obviously shaped what you've gone on to do as well. And, and I think, you know, you've, you've gone through and you talk about, um, you know, leadership and that idea that um, uh, some people are, th- are thrust into leadership and they're not really good at it. Others naturally become leaders. And uh, I think that, you know, it is about, as you say, about attitude, and I think that's obviously that you, you've you've literally written the manual on on it. But it's come from that background, hasn't it? It's it's come from that idea of of how you were brought up and that career path that you've had, and 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 observing that um, human element in what is a very you know, particularly in the military, is is such a systemized approach to things, and that human element is is what can easily be forgotten but obviously is is critical yes and and look you know i wouldn't like to just say just because i've been in the military i've become a good leader mm. i i don't because you can go into the military there's plenty of bad leaders in the military let me tell you um, but there's plenty of good leaders as well and that's the same wherever we are it doesn't matter whether you're in the defense uh, or it or mining or whatever there are there are good leaders and better leaders and, and worse leaders. And a lot of that has to do with A, the quality of training you get and development you get and your own personal attitude towards it. I mean, if you choose to if you choose to be a leader because you like the perks and the status and the um the separateness, then um hand in your badge. That's <laughs> what I say. But uh, you know, being a leader actually is about serving other people and and looking after them and helping them to be great, mm. um, and and you know I and I certainly, I mean I learned very quickly um, that it's a it's a team it's a team effort, mm. and I, I was very fortunate that I had some very when I was a young officer I had some very good sergeants and warrant officers who um, who gave me the right advice and 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 wouldn't let me. Um, fall down the wrong path of you know the arrogant young officer who who thinks that knowledge is better than experience. <laughs> when yeah. it, it's, you need it, them both. <laughs> it's well it's interesting, isn't it, really, because it's um and, and this was even I think it has been the case for about the last 10, 15 years at least, 
where there's the, the younger generations have felt this need to move up the ladder quite quickly. And so they've there's been this idea that they don't stay in jobs for too long unless they're being moved up. And so it's kind of, and, and I've been worked previously in, in organisations where you found yourself in a situation where people have moved up the ladder far too quickly and they're not really qualified to be there. They've somehow been allowed to bounce from one to the other because, as you say, they might have some knowledge, but experience is so critical. Um, you know, it just, and, and I imagine, again, this is something you get out of the military as well. They can tell you all the rules and regulations of what to do and how to do things, but experience tells you something different and how you actually respond. And experience enables you to respond quickly in a in a in a way that you know is is going to work yes there's no doubt about it look you know and I, look i understand young people who've finished training or university they're graduates um they do have a lot of knowledge there's no doubt about that and and, and knowledge is very very useful um it's not knowledge is not power shared knowledge is power but experience is required as well and there is a study and it's a little bit dated now but they say they said that if you've been out of university for 10 years and you're now working alongside a person who's in the same role and that person's been in the role for 10 years your knowledge and your capability and your experience are now you're you're now equal Mm. all right so you know, knowledge and experience are required together. Yep. However, I'll take experience over knowledge any day of the week. Yes. And it, and it does it does what what um and I'm probably going to lose some friends over this, but but I I am um, horrified at the number of people that put themselves up as leadership experts, and they've never been in a leadership role. Yes. And that 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 I find that I find that um I understand their passion because they've been and most of these people have been subjected to bad leadership. Mm. Um which said well, I'm going to make a change. And and I and I and I applaud that. But it's you know you it, until you've had to make those hard calls on your own and no and and made mistakes which is how yep. you mainly learn absolutely then then you've got a you you've got a there's a there's a there's a cap on how much you can you can help another person mm. you know yeah. it, it's it's really interesting you say that because i remember um you know i've been had my business now for for over 12 years and but i remember back or oh, probably dating back nearly close to 20 years ago that I was working for an organisation and I had a very good relationship with the CEO and uh, we were having a casual conversation um, and I said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I think I'm going to go out on my own. And he said to me, you're not ready yet. You need a little bit more experience. And, you know, that was the summation of a longer conversation. But I, sure. but I took his advice and I'm really glad I did. I, I, you know, it's it's a bit like your your teenagers and your, you know, the teenagers to about twenty five, right? They think they know everything, and and one and once you get to about twenty six to thirty, you suddenly realise you don't know anything, um, and I think that's um, 
uh, one of those hard faces of, and, and I think that's true about your working life as well. There's a point where you think you know it all and you really don't. And uh, the experience is so critical, you know, you can relate to and I, I, you know, you and I have spoken on many occasions, but I'm, I'm you know, that I'm such a big believer in storytelling. And, and, and it's part of the reason for the love of this particular podcast is that ability to to hear and, and tell stories. And it's what people will remember. And, and I just um, stories enable you to respond to different circumstances it is that human element. And we we were having a, a conversation prior to the recording of this podcast that we're going to sort of touch on a little bit now in relation to AI and how that's come into the fray and how it's uh, eliminating, you know, how people are forgetting about that human element that that certain AI does some great things to an extent, but it removes that human element. And I think it's that storytelling element, which is an, an experience where it all marries together because, you can tell me about there's a situation and you could tell me the rules of what to do in that situation, but it's your ability to to pluck stories out of your own experience that makes the, what those rules are so much more relatable and more uh, and, and enables you to teach that better to the next and be a leader. I think that's what's critical about it. Yeah, look, I, had a, I was having a, a fantastic conversation I arrived at an appointment early um, the other day, and so I um, I uh, decided to have a conversation with Chat GPT four. <laughs> Fascinating, <laughs> uh, isn't thought, it? It is. It is. And I, but I did. I, I asked it a couple of questions. First of all, I, the first question I asked, I said, "Give me the um, the latest Australian case law." on um, larceny as a servant and uh, and then provide also the source. And then it gave me a long-winded explanation of why it couldn't do that <laughs> <laughs> and wouldn't and wouldn't do that. And then referred me to the you know the, to to the sources where I knew they existed anyway. Yeah. So I saw I saw that as a as a, as an interesting limitation and it would have given some solicitors some um some uh, quiet confidence, you know, and relief. Uh, yes, <laughs> at the moment it can't do that. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I think it, I, I, I think there the, the the interesting thing is you can't do it with Chat GPT, but there there is actually one for for lawyers. It's been interestingly enough been in development for for a number of years, um, and and I had something to do with them a few years ago. Um, they they go by the abbreviation of Osley, and any anyone in the legal profession will, will no doubt know of them. And they've developed some some versions of their own AIs, um, um, which has been fascinating because they've built it on the basis of trying to help people, particularly in remote areas who may not have access to the specialised legal knowledge that gives them some mm. framework to build some some things from. And they're constantly yeah. feeding it the, the latest and greatest. But you're right about ChatGPT. I mean, I, I'm trying to um, uh, plan something um, on the weekend uh, for coming up in the future and I'd nominated some dates and interestingly enough and even specified it was 2023 when this is happening but the date the days of the week that are assigned to it and particular um, events that are happening you know that are locked in events holiday public holidays and the like um, it actually I don't know what year it was operating on but it wasn't operating on 2023 and I had to keep insisting wow. to it that it was We're 2021. Wrong. 
Well, the, the, the chat it GPT possibly is. is only current to, up to September 2021. Yeah, but it's interesting so it's got- when you actually tell it, say, for 2023 and it's not doing that and i think it's more to the point of of that it's not it's lying it's, to it's far really. from the, it's far from being perfect at this point it's a great guide and yeah. it's, and it's I doing ask it, i didn't ask it a question about i said can you dream <laughs> <laughs> and it well, gave me and it said no i can't i can't it said, ai can't dream nor does it have emotions we only operate off algorithms and database and well, and and that's you know and there you go that's that's beautifully beautifully said. Well, that's well, all uh, it is. well, well, um, David, I share with you this that um, and and for people who have keenly followed me in in on LinkedIn for a little while will know this. So a little while ago, um, I decided I was going to interview an AI. So what I did was used one of the uh, free tools for to create a. Um, create a character, a, a, a humanized looking character. And then I fed it a script. I then recorded myself asking questions to that script and presented it as a as a as an interview with an AI. And um there were two things that were interesting out of that. So one I did ask the question at the end, can you tell me a story? And of course, knowing full well that it could only tell what I had actually told it to, to say. Um, so yeah. of course it can't really tell a story, but what I found really fascinating was that clearly in some of the comments that were made on that particular post were actually made by people utilizing an AI for those comments, because I know some of those people well enough to know that it wasn't them. Um, and so I, I found this whole idea of here I was presenting this whole idea of an AI can't be everything and it's not human and we were getting sort of non-human responses kind of going, well, who's benefiting out of that idea? Um, you know, yeah. I think it's, it's I, I wonder why. I wonder why you do that. You know, like say your comments in LinkedIn posts. Mm. It, you're not doing it. AI is doing it. You're probably not even looking at it or paying attention to it. All you're doing is a, apparently appearing. And um, and that, and that's, and that, that's, Apart from it being inauthentic, um, what's the point? Well, I'm a big believer in in putting a lot of video on on LinkedIn, and uh, and and there's a reason for that. It's because um, when you're seeing someone speak, it's authentic, and you know it's not being it's not being mocked up, and it, particularly you can tell when it's not scripted. What I find really interesting is is that. Often when you post a video on LinkedIn, there is a bit of a blurb that people are putting beforehand. And what I found was that nobody, that I wouldn't say nobody was watching the video because the stats tell me that people were watching the video, but many of the people who commented clearly had not watched the video because I, there was one particular post recently where I think there were 10 or 12 comments that were based on the last line of the blurb that I'd put in and were almost identical to one another. And I sort of went, well, what's the point of that watch the watch the video and and uh, and and say something in there so so i'm actually so so again those of you paying attention that are that are looking at some of my posts i encourage you to watch the video watch the video in fact i've even trialed a couple of posts where i'm saying i'm not going to say very much watch the video which i know is actually going to annoy some people because they're they're going to not want to watch the video but um, I think that that's uh, you know it, it, it is an interesting area that that whole human element and that area that you delve into 
um, it kind of uh, it's coming to its fore right now, really, because it, it, that experience that you had in the in the military and and uh, and and the 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 um, police services and the like afterwards is very much about how that human element interacts with a very systemized and regimented way of doing things, which is exactly what AI is. It is, uh, yeah, and I can see I can see that. And however, we the human side is crucial. Um, it won't be long before we'll have RoboCop mm. um, and Robo Soldier. You know, um, Universal Soldier <laughs> idea, yeah. and so it's not going to be far. It's not far away. Um, nevertheless, we're going to need humans badly. And the humans need the only look. The main skill humans need to acquire now is the other uh, are, are basically people skills. The ability to relate, to empathise, to, to uh, effectively lead. Which to me, effective leadership is around influencing, persuading, championing, supporting, um, coaching. Um, people to be the very best they can be towards a shared vision using the shared values on the one hand, and on the other hand, to be able to respectfully deal effectively with unacceptable behaviour and performance such that you maintain trust and respect. Mm. They're, they're, that's, that's, those are the skills that are needed right now. And have all, they've always been needed, but they're needed more now. Uh, David, we could, so that's, and that's where my my energy goes. And and David, I know we could continue this conversation for probably another few hours without too much uh, drama whatsoever. But I wanted to wrap up the podcast with um, uh, just a, a, I guess a, a question for you in relation to your clients. Is there an art heart moment that you think commonly clients have that you wish perhaps that some of them would realise? A little bit, you know, people would realize now and they'd be so they'd line up to be your clients right now. Is there an aha moment that you tend to find that people people have when they start working with you over after a period? It's really about to lead requires you to be human, and to lead requires when you when you realize that you can be vulnerable, you can be. Um, you can make mistakes. You don't have to know everything, um, and that you can ask and listen and discover that you'll be respected and trusted because of that. When they get that, instead of um, having to have all the answers, having to be there, um, the the expert in everything. When you realise that leadership is not about that, that's an aha moment. Mm. And and then when when you when the leader then realizes what they would really like to, is how do I then deploy those skills so that I can be effective um, and earn the trust and respect of my people by being an ordinary um, human just trying their best when they when they realize that that's achievable and that's not they don't have to learn complex stuff. And become invincible. That's that's when everything starts to really move forward for them. Fantastic, David. Um, again, thank you so much for sharing uh, your story. I think it's a very powerful story and and a fascinating one. 
And, uh, I, you know, it only takes listening to you for a little while to know why you have such a strong referral network and why you're so heavily booked out. Um, I appreciate your time and I appreciate uh, the input that you give to the forum that I run on a regular basis as well. And uh, I look forward to to having you join me in those in the coming up and, and other people joining along as well. You only need to, to message. If you're listening to the podcast and you want to know about the forum, then uh, just message me and we'll fill you in on the details. But David, thank you so much for being a great guest on BizBytes. Thank you, Anthony. It's been a real pleasure being with you. Thanks a lot. BizBytes is brought to you by ComTogether for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand engage audiences on multiple platforms, go to comtogether.com.au, follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation.